what I was saying was I, you know, I played through a second route today, right? And the first one that I'd played, it was definitely my favorite um, mm-hmm. out of all the five of them. Um, so your favorite and I've is and the, I've uh, and I've played it a couple of times. So I was sort of just kind of ready for it, right? Like I'd been through the beats all, you know, I'd been through the beats already. And then I do a second fucking route just because, you know, I'm into it again now. And then I forgot what this game fucking does to you. Just this fucking intense, empty, melancholic feeling that it sort of fucking leaves in your chest when you're done with it. Uh, Not even done with it. I'm like two roots in out of five. Wait, so which two did you do specifically? I don't know your preppered waifu dumb other than... Well, okay, I know one of them is Shizun just because of your uh, run in here, but... Um, yeah, no, so, so Shizune was the one that I did for the purposes of this episode, right? And then just because I didn't really have anything else I was doing today, I also um, played through uh, Emmys because I had only played through her route once and I kind of wanted to refamiliarize myself with it. I'm trying to remember if it was as funny as I remember it being. It's uh, it's mildly funny. So how much uh, liquor does it take to reset a Sam melancholy? I have this little graduated... Um, glass here that i drink bourbon out of uh and i've it's got it it sort of widens up a little bit right but it's got uh one two three four five six seven little what would you call them integers um and i've got like two and a half um, non-real numbers i've got i've I've, not integer fuck intervals intervals there we go not integers intervals right uh and i've got imaginary uh, numbers Two and a half. I've got two and a half filled up. I've got it filled up to two and a half. Uh, so that's equations. um, that's that is hopefully the amount that it takes me to sort of um, snap myself out of you know post KS mode. Um, okay, but cool. Because we'll... otherwise, I think I would have to like just start reading you the fucking lyrics to Spacebound or something like. Because no, touch, like we feel a rush. I, I was fucking stupid, honestly, because I. It's been something like seven years or so since I have played this fucking thing, right? And I've, I'd forgotten. I'd fucking forgotten just how fucking hard this shit hits. And it hits me at the very least. We're going to talk about it. Like, that's actually just the main topic of discussion for today is just um, visual novels in general and this particular one specifically. Yes, children of the world, we are talking about fake love, which so far on average I would say is about 83% as good as real love, so there are some questions there. First off, just the broad cons of the visual novel is pretty self-describing. It is a story told half through little anime weeby images on screen, very limited animation, a lot of texts, mostly dialogue, characters talking to each other. Stereotypically, it's a visual novel. Yeah, stereotypically romantically oriented, though I think there's a whole fantasy contingent that I'm just not plugged into. They need not be, but there's it's it's mostly known to be that. Yeah, um, I think there's a whole bunch of visual novels aimed at like kids in Japan that are just you know kind of fun little adventure stories. A lot of the time when people talk about visual novels, what they're talking about are dating sims, and that is what we played today. We played. One of the best known dating sims, you know, in the States for a number of years now, um, and probably the best known one not to have come out of Japan that isn't Doki Doki Literature Club. That's a really weird oh, superlative right there. Oh, Doki Doki Literature Club come in for the fucking run-in on the fame there. <laughs> and um, I have played that one too, and uh, I am a soulless monster, so I am more of an advocate of Doki Doki Literature Club, but I think that's because I have problems. 
I think if you I, are well adjusted, you'll find Katawa Shoujo to be the better product of the two. But I guess I should also talk about uh, Kado Shoho. That is the one that we played. This one has a bit of an interesting backstory in that. Yes, it does. It comes not only from an independent American studio, but some people that didn't know each other off of Fortune back before its political leanings became a. Uh, Let's say partisan. Worse. I'm uh, okay. Partisan. Sure. I, I I was I I would say worse uh, yeah, yeah, than they already worse. were. And if, if you don't think they're worse, then I, I don't know we don't we don't need your patronage. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So this is from a better age in um shit posting. It's sort of the inscribed soul of the otaku culture board. You know, circa 2009 to 2012 or so. I think that's how long the production cycle was on this. It took them a while to fucking get this thing out. I remember yeah. they released the demo in 2009, and then the full game did not come out until 2012. And it would be an interesting product, even if it was mediocre. Uh, I don't know, early spoiler for the fucking review show. I, li- I liked this one. It's very good. But um, it's surprisingly nuanced. In terms of the development thing, there seems to be a little bit of a cross-purpose thing, because it seems that... I don't know how many people are on the team. For this joke, I'm just going to say there are six people. It seems that five people sat down and said, hey, let's try to tell an actually nuanced story in this weird frame. And the other guy just bit into a half chunk of Pocky and said, okay, but I'm still going to animate ten minutes of wall-to-wall fucking, so (laughs) get ready for that. Yes, this is what's known as an H game. Uh, there's, I, I love how fucking much of a rabbit hole visual novels are, right? Because mm-hmm. you get visual novels, and then within that you have dating sims, and then within that you have H games. And near as I can tell, most dating sims are also H games. H games are just um, dating sims that have um, very explicit sex scenes, you know, like bordering on pornographic. I think you could, you could call, you could call it pornographic. You can probably just. Save yourself a lot of like trouble by just thinking of them as like hentai things, and that's the really funny fucking thing about this is this fucking developmental cross purpose because they really made a whole wackadoo idiosyncratic like set of stories within this thing that also have just I want to say <laughs> on the route I played I only played one route because my job sucks, but. I want to say 75% of the way through, you've been lulled into this sort of character-driven, moody groove. And then balls deep! <laughs> and then they go balls fucking deep. You're like, oh, stop! Why are you <laughs> doing this? So uh, my secondary point is that if you um, want to maybe maintain some of the integrity of your experience or streaming this on Twitch like I was, you can, in the current version of this shit available, turn off the H game aspect. See, here's the thing. I think you lose something though, because you know, sure, you do lose a bit of punk rock verisimilitude when they don't go. <laughs> balls. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think that, and again, this is coming from, you know, Mr. Militant asexual, right? I actually think that all the H scenes in this game are so very tastefully done and contribute to um the characters and their arcs and the story just in general that i think you very much lose something if you skip them or turn on the you know like the self-censor thing uh because they i don't know like 
sex is often, not always, but often just sort of a part, like a really big part, right, of, you know, people's relationships and sort of how they, uh, how these relationships grow up um, and sort of uh, how they go from one place to another place, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. These scenes are very titillating and such, but I, I've always been that guy who's trying to say, yeah, you can give me titillation, right? But don't just fucking give it to me as a distraction. Like, give me some fucking substance here because sexy things do happen, right? I that's, think that's a good point. I think when you get they have to. Sam, get these tits out of my face, Legos saying that, it says something, it's like Jim Cornette coming and saying, you need a little sparkle of fantasy to draw on the viewer, you know? <laughs> uh, precisely. And um, I'm not going to pretend that you know, said scenes are not just a little bit male gazy. Certainly, uh, it's. I mean, they. The, the, I would say pretty explicitly. The, uh, like, I'm pretty, once pretty again, I would say yeah. that one out of six guys was maybe at cross purposes. <laughs> um, but um, at the same time, it never feels so much. What am I trying to say? It. Uh, I think you're saying it doesn't feel. Like, it doesn't necessarily belong. Or, or maybe and it, it slightly does feel at times like it's overboard. But the thing that I do like about it, at least in the route I played, and I sort of read some of the other routes, is that it seems to have consequences in each orbit that are pretty woven into the story. Yes. And in the route that I played, the whole Lily romantic fucking drama thing, I think a lot of this is basically a mood piece. And I think if you take out the tone those scenes are written in, you might get a little jarred in the sort of transitions of the relationship. I wouldn't disagree. Also, I think the biggest vote of confidence I can honestly give this thing is, despite being a co-host on a show called Weeaboo Hell, if I were to list things that I either just do not regularly engage with or overtly do not give a shit about, general romantic arcs, most romantic writing... The little thumpy sound a thing next to your your lungs makes. <laughs> Visual novels in general. Doki! Things that move slower than the movie's speed. And I was still on board for this weird, weird game. By the way, another part of this thing's Highwire Act in terms of its development, and how you can sort of tell that they sort of course-corrected something that was going to be something else when they made this, is that the sort of secondary gimmick of this, other than being an American visual novel, each game, whatever the fuck, is that it takes place in a, like, private Japanese high school where roughly, I don't know, four out of five students are some have some form of disability. Oh, they all do. A bunch of people in the school don't. All the main characters do. No, I'm pretty sure that everyone in the school does. No, no, no. You can. You, they have, it's, a, it's a whole thing in Lily's Row. You find that the normal people can go there and they do huh, some huh. assistant type crap. Oh, interesting. Okay, I had forgotten about that. Because I thought you were about to mention... You are, like, spineless scum like me and say, Blind tea goddess, yes. <laughs> I thought you were about to mention Misha, who, like, I think it's implied that she has an inner ear problem. Ah. Um, and then there's then there's the conversation to be had about not all um, disabilities being visible. I mean, just look at, you know, the protagonist, Haseo. Um, the, the the way that this uh, the game's story gets going is that the protagonist, Haseo, um, Hisao? Uh, his al he has a congenital heart defect which causes him arrhythmia. to have yeah. he has arrhythmia yes and he has a heart attack at uh at 17 um and uh it puts him in the hospital for months he transfers out of his 
old school to this um to this uh, school that is specifically designed for um young people with disabilities uh and he sort of um is kind of forced to reckon with you know what his life is now um it doesn't you know and his identity and my um visual novel experience is limited but his experience sort of either the creators are smart or they're just sort of backed into it by this much terrible shit happening to him quickly he definitely has a very particular cynical personality and voice and i think that for me at least that um helped my buy-in because you know by design i think that these uh, visual novel products need to have some kind of everyman aspect or perch, I guess, but yeah, they have to. And I'm forgiving it of in this case, because it is, you know, an interactive medium yeah. um, is interactive medium. Also, they, the whole visual novel thing, I don't know if this is a law because I haven't done as many of these, but they, tre- they trend tar just like the first person visual perspective and first person narration. Yes. Um, third person visual novel might be kind of weird. Come to think of it kind of odd actually yeah just i I know i can i don't think it would be as interesting just being a an omnipotent um not omnipotent an omniscient sort of viewer in a visual novel especially if i was supposed to make choices i'm their god or something i don't know it'd feel too much like a strategy game you need (laughs) a protagonist Uh, let's see i need to make my uh i need to make my wife who here mine more wheat (laughs) i need to send i need to send my uh to send my wife who's cannon fodder against the Huns so I can just like oh I just need to build one more fucking ballista <laughs> then maybe I can take back Dyrrachium. Giselle, when I look into your eyes, I see someone that needs me to help her construct additional pylons. <laughs> and we can make those pylons together, Giselle. So <laughs> So so the um I'm fucking dumb. The thing that that you're sort of forced to confront about this game straight up is that on its surface, it's an it's it's kind of a little bit of a difficult premise to swallow, right? So oh, you're dude, going it sets to off a five alarm fire in your brain when you start like so this is a openly pornographic game about disabled people. Yeah, I think I think you played one of the more explicit routes. Like uh actually I don't know. I think Rins ends up being kind of the softest, like in terms of um, explicit displays of sexuality. But yeah, the point is, just in terms of (laughs) swallowing this premise, so this is a game made by five guys from 4chan (laughs) in a Japanese high school for disabled people. And you're saying I can download this and not deserve to be put in jail. (laughs) And it turns out, yeah, because I don't know, I mean, I like to think of this... Katawa Shoujo is basically the opposite of the Challenger. (laughs) They had no resources, no optimism, and no one was paying fucking attention. And they found a big success. They did it. I'm so fucking proud of this game every time I play it. um, Because it's so... Especially fucking coming from, from the fucking website that it did. It's... So amazingly, or at least I have found it. I'm I'm sure that there are folks who you know have a less con- have a less uh, a less generous reading of this thing, and that's th- perfectly valued if you do. But I found it to be pretty like a pretty respectful um, and kind of nuanced take on you know the subject matter that it is dealing with. Which actually, I feel like disability is only on the surface a thing that it is dealing with, um, or the the main subject matter of the game, and then you sort of get 
into each of the roots and you, you watch these characters sort of just be people. It's kind of a twinning. Oh, my grad school is leaking. But you have these people who, who don't want to be defined by these conditions and aren't totally, but the thing still exists. And you, there's it's a tug-of-war there. between this overwhelming problem and just the ordinary human drives and problems. And it's difficult to reconcile, yeah. And that's real cool right there. Um, I think, honestly, this came out a couple of years before this. it really became part of the... Um, part of the national conversation at least amongst you know people who give half a shit mm-hmm. maybe maybe i'm biased and i just did not arrive at this conversation until a couple of years after you know this game came out but i uh so so i won't give it too many points for being <laughs> prescient or anything like that maybe it's just me but i i know i did find it to be um kind of a soft story about figuring out who you know you are and kind of accepting your own validity i don't know how much the core themes rotate around the other sets but i found the entire idea of personal reconstruction that drove the dumbass route i was on i know it was was compelling it was a compelling read i mean some of the prose is a bit wonky but that's multiple writers and i think full disclosure i'm pretty sure that one person on this staff kind of sucks but The product as a whole is a really affecting time, and honestly, I've always appreciated things that can do a big swing anywhere between half-decently well and virtuosically. Like, I will give things extra points for something that is as out there, and it's sort of reflected in my taste in normal video games, air quotes normal, I don't know, more interactive video games, I guess. Like, I will always mm-hmm. appreciate games that have more paprika and their personality like your fucking ninja gaiden 2 type shit sure yeah then maybe a perfectly refined game that feels like bread like i don't know i played call of duty warzone i understand but not for me i yeah i i absolutely see where you're coming from this game does certainly have its imperfections um and it is an interesting little it, it's such a passion project that it can't not. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is completely embedded in, like, indie cement, and it has the support and cracks that you expect from that. For one thing, as a visual novel, I think if you were to, like, pick at it, and this isn't detracted from me, I just really noticed it, is that it's a little fatty. There are always little bits or sentences that you would just cut in a production production. Maybe. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, in some places. In some places more than others. Uh, there are, I think... Lily's is uh, because you played Lily's route, right? Lily's is I'm pretty sure the longest route, um, which actually makes it more impressive that you played through it in like two fucking sit throughs or sit down. So well done. Um, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. They did half of it on fucking Twitch too, right? What would you describe her as? Sort of just she's uh she's blind. So Lily is essentially um this upper class blind girl sort of trying to maintain a sort of stiff upper lip kind of persona i think it's mentioned that she is british um or scottish i guess you find out she's scottish people theorize about her origins throughout the game it's kind of a halfway running gag and then a plot point in her fucking route thing the whole sort of running theme of the story is openness and concealment like all the little conflicts basically come from things that people 
won't look directly at. I promise you that was not a pun. That was my one goal for this episode. I know I normally do like the offensive for offensive sake, Hitler aids Holocaust thing, but I promised myself I would get through Katawa Shoujo. That was not a blind joke. Not Toph Bay Fong it. Okay. I mean, what 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 I do love is the uh, is the kind of recurring gag in this game where you know the protagonist Hiseo will you know respond to her statements by saying "I see" and then immediately realizing what he said and then apologizing. Yeah, the the game has a lot of fun little uh, bumps with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Gallo's humor isn't the term. I don't know. Maybe it's just a cadence of humor that you would adopt in that fucking situation, or at least our conception of that situation. Either way. Yeah. But yeah, the whole sort of theme of that story is like, I don't know, openness and concealment, I guess, learning to accept shit as it is. Yeah, from what I remember about that. And I had a good time with it. And once again, in terms of uh, this being an arena where Sam and I sort of come at it from opposite angles, I didn't come out of that with like much of an emotional hangover, but a sliver of one. And that is weird. That's yeah. That's more than I would have expected. Honestly, I was sort of, I wasn't exactly sure um, what I thought your reaction to this uh, game was going to be. I kind of uh, because I think I mentioned already. I've already played this a bunch, um, so I, I I was very interested to see what it would be. And it's 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 actually like really interesting that you um that you engaged with it as much as you did. I'm happy about that. Um, I having played all five routes, some of them more than once now, most of them more than once at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- what I kind of like is it's a gameplay thing, right? It's kind of a gameplay woven into the narrative thing, um, where occasionally, uh, you will be on one route and you will literally just be given the solution to another one. Right. Uh, because, so, because this is a visual novel slash dating sim, right? There are good ends to roots and there are bad ends to roots. Uh, which, because this is a dating sim, the bad end just generally involves, you know, the two of you breaking up for whatever reason, right? Um, but a, a, occasionally, oh, yeah, the, and like uh, sometimes, game over screen is a uh, human loneliness. So, yeah, man, that's and uh, oh god, it's like fucking heartbreaking in a couple of them, like in <laughs> in the act one bad end. It's not heartbreaking, just kind of sad funny uh oh, yeah. this but in all the a other legendary gag where okay spoiler town for a second uh, just jump three minutes if you're going to run into this motherfucker this thing has a legendary gag where if you fail to you know end up on someone's romantic radar in the first act of this fucking thing <laughs> you and your idiot friend have a manly picnic in which you both fall off a roof and die <laughs> I don't know that he does, but you certainly do. You 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 certainly do. Yeah, it's a. Uh... And here's like the other great thing is that it's ambiguous, right? It's ambiguous in the um, or it seems like in the act one, you know, bad in itself, that um, it seems like you just kind of tripped and fell off the route. But then if you play on another route, right? If you actually get onto another route and play through it and play up to a certain point, he will talk about pushing someone off of a roof potentially so you're left to imagine <laughs> if he didn't just fucking murder you <laughs> in that bad end um and that is what i was um going to talk about which is the um this really fun thing that this game does where you will sometimes be given the solution to someone else's route or to one uh to one route in another route right uh you would sort of just be given the quality right that you need to sort of um not embody i guess but uh 
I guess that you'll be given sort of the lesson that you're sort of meant to uh, led to take in. Honestly, I'm not sure embody is too hard a word. Like when I was doing the fucking blonde tea Valkyrie route, everything was just be direct and open and be, be direct and like, open and honest, right? Very themey game. Like some TV writers will say, like, if you have your like fucking core series theme on a post-it note on a wall underlined, you will never be lost right like six seasons and i was playing through emmy's route today right and emmy and uh win right uh emmy is uh she's a she is a uh a double amputee runner um who's um really just um her whole thing is that she's really kind of does not let people get close to her because of how um kind of tragically deeply she understands that everything could just get taken away um just like that just because you know cruel fate uh, so she sort of, you know, pushes people away and she is best friends with Rin, who, um, who is an artist. She is coded to be autistic. Uh, she was, she was born with no arms. She paints with her feet. Um, she's trying to get people, to, she's frustrated the fa- with the fact that people don't understand her and that she kind of doesn't understand people like she does yeah. in her way. But most of the time she feels kind of isolated because she's just, you know, odd to people uh and you know late on in emmy's route she just uh flat up tells you like you know i don't think you should necessarily try to understand rin she just needs to be supported um and that is literally how you get through you know rin's route if you do rin's route um to the good end and i kind of i kind of like you know the various no alternate timelines in this game kind of playing with each other like that yeah that's a that's a nice feature and it definitely seems to reward slash encourage replay replay. if i could walk back a second because we Mm -hmm. talked about that one legendary fucking gag i want to talk about i want to call him my favorite part of the game but i think that might just be short selling the actual deeper character direction but the sort of just running gag character kenji is just your fucking incel homeboy mate (laughs) he is this fucking basically 10 year called shot on conspira incel culture right no like in in 2020 this guy follows QAnon. yeah and he is just every line is just pitch perfect like comedically it's I think um, I actually wrote down a handful of these it's almost sad sometimes just sort of thinking thinking nostalgically about like oh man i miss when they were just idiot kooks on the internet and not uh, you one. know exams extremes a true renaissance man needs no study to excel in such things <laughs> he's such a fucking chungus every word is just a fucking delight uh yeah all of his scenes are great he accosts it early on in the story he accosts you in the shower both of you are naked it's fine he can't see anything he's legally blind and then demands that you help him buy himself pizza which he does not plan on sharing with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then sort of paints this up as being part of his mission and what I what I kind of love about how they write the protagonist uh, Hisao in all of these scenes is that he just does not fucking buy a goddamn word of what this guy is trying to sell him. Yeah, he's just pretty, trying to end magical. the conversation as fast as possible every single time. Specifically, Genji's running fucking thing is he believes in a vast feminist conspiracy, and that all the girls in the school are in on it, which 
obviously has some natural humor value because visual novels, well, I guess dating sims, whatever the fuck, by nature are going to have this fucking nexus of female activity like you were run the fucking lottery. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he gets to freak out at what's happening, what's happening, who did this? They just, they just super dig his sail in his sweater vest that he wears out. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think it's um it's consistent across all routes. You know, all of the characters have their school uniform and their casual clothes, right? And in every single route, Hiseo's casual clothes are a fucking sweater vest. Oh, like Fred from fucking Scooby Doo. He and and somehow and somehow he is the most irresistible motherfucker in this school. There has to be some kind of, like, personality alignment grid you could fill out based on who people choose to fucking run with in this thing, right? Oh, absolutely. People, like, have and do. I think, and they yell at each other about it, too. They, uh... (laughs) Oh, God, that must be, like, a thousand-year holy war by now. It is. I think it died down a little bit as, you know, we got further and further away from the game's release, but I think... The most contentious out of all five of them is probably Shizune, who is my favorite, with uh, Rin being a little bit of a runner-up in that regard. I think with Shizune's route, it's because some people just see her as just an out-and-out jerk. Um, that's, like, half of the problem. I I see where they're coming from in that regard, but I very much do not agree. The other problem is that um, her route ends on a very, very ambiguous note, or at first reading, ambiguous note that uh, does not have the sort of um, complete sense of, you know, satisfaction and catharsis that um, all of the other good endings do. Um, to That's clarify... An interesting thing in this game. There's sort of some genre drift between these routes. I have no idea whether that's typical or not, but it's definitely a uh, fucking thing here. I think it's interesting. I think it is a result of the fact that all of the five routes, you know, past act run, um, have their own writer. Um, so that has a whole lot to do with it yeah like um, one of them the runner comes off a lot like a solid western rom-com the blind tea goddess but that's the internet fucking meme name for it. i can't get it out of my head because it's really lily Mati goddess like, yeah she, it's great she fucking walks in and give and you're like are you human what the fuck is <laughs> this valkyrie what's the fucking race from um from D? She, she, she's an azimir that she's an azimir azimir yeah it's like oh and and you're here now okay <laughs> Which is um, really amusing. Um, but yeah, her route, for all intents and purposes, her route should just have a scene where you hold her on at, at the front bow of a ship and she yells something about flying. <laughs> I always sort of saw it as just a well-written, steamy romance novel. You know, the kind that has its own, like, surprisingly huge section at the bookstore. Uh, but, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find any Wikipedia entries for any of these books. I think Rin's route can give you depression. Rin's route is weepy as fuck. I'm not fucking touching that one again. Uh, so is Hanako's just a little bit, but I think it ends up... <laughs> there ends up being a little bit less sort of just existential depression. It's because, you know, um, Rin's just, just about feeling so fucking alone. <laughs> yeah, one is about a maybe deeper emotional seatness of sadness and the other one is just my parents are dead and I got lit on fucking fire. <laughs> this sucks ass man. <laughs> Fuck this. Um <laughs> Which is you know, not bad, but it's a it's a different beast. Also to be honest, I 
I find her kind of naturally annoying, maybe. Maybe that's why I think it's like a personality test. <laughs> it could very well be. Um, I like Tanaka's route well enough. It was not my favorite, nor is it my least favorite. I don't even know if I have a least favorite, but I definitely do have a favorite, which is Shizuna's. And I was saying that her route ends um on the surface ambiguously, as all the other routes sort of end with, you know, kind of your, you know, just a very clear-cut happy ending. You know, you, you it's implied you will have some sort of happily ever after. And then um, Shizuna's route actually ends, uh, timeline-wise, months after all the other routes, as um, well. you uh, the two of you graduate uh, and are, you know, sort of, planning on sort of you're go you're probably going to end up going to two different colleges or something like that and your Reality future ensues. yeah your future seems like it might be less than certain but the thing is is that if you this pay attention fucking high school well, well no is that if you pay attention to everything that they're talking about up to then right they're talking about this important idea of if you love someone, right? As a friend or as more than a friend, right? Mm-hmm. You'll make the effort to make sure that they do not drift away uh, because they are precious to you, right? And they keep fucking hammering this in, especially towards the end of this uh, route, right? To the mm-hmm. point where if you sort of see the ending as anything less than this is goodbye for the next three months, then I kind of don't know if you were paying attention. I read that ending as very unambiguously a happy one, right? And she, he literally says, you know, towards the end, it's just, I will keep chasing Shizune. Yeah, he will. <laughs> and he, like... Yeah, I mean, that, And he will find her from. every time. Um, it's, I, it, it's, it's crazy. It actually... This ending actually ended up being fanfic bait because people wanted something just a little bit more, um, you know, put down in writing about it. And I, I get that instinct, Mine certainly. Mine did not have that problem. It had a... Uh... It had a different problem. I'm going to follow the ironclad Dale rule where after I have been effusively praising or enthusiastically stepping on something's neck, I will include a point in the opposite column. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, in this very fun little romantic drama, towards the ending, after conflict has ensued and you seem to be <laughs> departing, there is a fucking airport chase in the 21st century. <laughs> Motherfucker, I warned you. I warned you that you were picking the schmaltziest route. What the fuck did I say? I don't I don't sleep at normal hours, so I would like to apologize to the residents of 521 XX Street. I probably should put that on the fucking internet in case one of you wants to kill me. But I'm going to apologize to the residents of this building. Because I yelled, Motherfucker, what? <laughs> in the wee hours of the night slash morning i told you i told you that lily's root is just a well-written romance novel of course it was going to have a fucking airport race what the fuck did you expect <laughs> i laughed my dick off a bit at that i have to <laughs> i have to admit I, once um... again yes the stuff before and after that very affecting i actually even the point so does the bad end to her route just end without the airport chase? I assume because that seems like just a pretty leaves. good stopping point. What? She just leaves, and never comes back in the uh, in the bad end. Man. it's less heartbreaking than most of the other bad ends. Honestly, like as bad ends go, it's somewhat a little bit softer on you, a little bit. Ah, like Shizune's is probably the most heartbreaking bad end, at least for my money. 
uh, in Shizune's bad end, right? Um, and and it, it's so very easy to avoid because literally you are given a choice, kind of, uh, you know, a two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through um, her route. The choices are either A, don't cheat on her with her best friend, or B, do do that. <laughs> and she- Literally one choice of consequence, and if you fuck that up, well, like, what do you? No, think you I deserve, do, Mr. Snake. You absolutely deserve to have the heartbreaking bad end that you get out of it. Um, but if you, you know, don't be a dirtbag. What level of Kill Bill life ruining madness ensues if you do that? Um, here's the, like, it's, it's, it's such a fucking player punch because it makes you feel like such a fucking bastard. She never finds out about it, but just because of how fucking weird and hurt everyone is just, you know, internally for reasons that they perhaps don't even understand, they just push, each of the three of them just push each other away from one another, right? Because they can't even fucking bear to look at one another anymore, right? And she's just sort of left just sitting on a stoop alone, um, having pushed away or believing that she has pushed away everyone in her life. And her whole aspiration in life was to have more friends and, you know, be close with people and, you know, have people be the best versions of her, of themselves, you know, through her encouragement. Right. And she is just left just broken and alone at the end of your bad end. You fucking bastard. How could you do that to her? Wow. I didn't even take that road, and I feel like I need to take a fucking American Sign Language course to redeem my soul. I like that bit, too. Just, um, there, there, there's this kind of cute little thing in her route where you're trying to hide the fact that you're taking a sign language class so that you can surprise her by being proficient. <laughs> Except, <laughs> weeks before this, um, her best friend tells, tells her, Oh yeah, he's taking a sign language class so he can speak with you proficiently. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, and then it is dropped on you that she has done this. And you're like, what the hell, man? You have broken the creed. That's an, enter- that's an entertaining shit. I may have said all that I can say about this for now. Um, unless you've got anything more. Um, mostly just, I, I cannot recommend enough that anyone play this game. Whoever's listening who has and It's free. You just go to their website um, I don't know, I have an askance eye to even the base mode of engagement of this thing, and I think it's a worthwhile time. I would describe it as a sort of bored, lifelong pacifist just picking up a copy of the first God of War game out of blind curiosity, and you come back to ours later and you're like, yeah, fucking crack his head and get your fucking nails freed up. <laughs> Kick his ass. It's, it's, it's actually really fucking uh, astounding about just how this game can kind of convert you to its um to its mode of pathos and i respect the shit out of that or out of it for doing that and being able to do that um i think here's the thing i am not like you denard i am very much drawn to you know stuff with romance arcs and you know this is a game where the entire thing is the romance arc right um so mm-hmm. so i was kind of i was already part of that target demographic but i'm I'm very happy to sort of see that it was able to kind of convert you. I recommend you play um, a second route at some point if you feel like you have time. Uh, sure, I'll try one of the I'll try one of ones with a different cast herd than the one I've been sort of floating in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Shizune's route's really good. Uh, Rin's route 
is real weepy and Emmy's route is nice. It's, it's the shortest of all of them. I've, uh, I noticed uh, yeah. playing it today. Um, it's just, <laughs> well, I don't want to make the obvious joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair. Mm. We've gone, we've come a long way. And weirdly uh, enough, now that we are veering away from discussing the game set in a handicapped high school, the episode is about to get way more offensive. And stupid. And stupid. Because well, do well, I have a gimmick for you kids today? Well, here's the thing. We were talking about, right? We were talking about the visual novel format and the dating sim format, right? And what you could do with it. So what I, uh, what we, what we sort of offered one another, right, was the opportunity to sort of come up with our own, right? A, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a story, you know, set in a, uh, a visual novel format, right? Uh, that is, you know, ostensibly like a dating sim, right? And sort of see what you could do with it. Um, and, uh, well, I've seen what you've come up with already and, uh, the first one is silly, and the second one is silly, and then it gets kind of real. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the second one will appeal strongly, I'd say, to fans of moral oral. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I would put it about on that wavelength. I've come up with two, one of which is um, pr- pretty goddamn silly, and the second one was sort of my attempt at, you know, what I would actually do if I was told to uh, create a, you know, visual novel dating sim, like the kind of game that I would write and you know put my name on and be proud of so um that's cool so uh, let's let you go first all right i'm going to start with my uh let's call it sillier bullet <laughs> so this game would be called coon wars <laughs> and the premise is simple <laughs> black republicans aren't a monolith some are looking for love and others are running from it. <laughs> and it's set in the 2020 Republican National Convention. <laughs> our main character, you know, our romantic POV, our hero, if you will, is Remus Spector, the 24-year-old host of Re's Spectability, <laughs> a show running on the blaze on a probationary basis. The readings are just as good as Tommy Laren's show. But they're not as hot on it for some reason. Unrelated to race. Serious-minded and hoping to make his... (laughs) I can do this. Believe in me. Okay. Serious-minded and hoping to make his career at this year's convention. Though it feels like something's missing in his life. Yo, Coachella sucks this year. (laughs) (laughs) you will never see more bow ties in one building okay (laughs) routes or as they are written on my document here waifus and husbandos first there is Ciara Owens unrelated to Candace Owens another one of the good ones and your main rival (laughs) you spent years competing over the same pool of young African-Americans, not defined by their skin color. But she blushes a deep beet red whenever you meet and calls you a closet liberal during every live stream. (laughs) She also glares at you constantly throughout the convention, sometimes just a little too long and a little too softly. 
Then there is Laurie Toman. Unrelated <laughs> to Toby Lauren. Totally. In public, Laurie is a proud crusader for real Americans. In private company, she is often quietly referred to as the Chocolate Hunter. <laughs> she has a Queen of Spades tattoo on her spine. <laughs> she might have the easiest and earliest H scene in the game, but the road to her heart is much longer. Laurie hasn't been able to trust anyone since any... <laughs> Laurie hasn't been able to trust anyone since her father called her QAnon-themed fancast kind of weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> minus all the silliness, you're just describing Emmy's route right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wonders we can create. <laughs> also, feel free to cut of commentary on these. I, I, I honestly feel like it'd detract from it. I'll let you. I'll let you do your thing. Rock on. Next, we have coal and chalk, unrelated to diamond and silk. Two loud and proud bigots with a dark secret. They are the. <laughs> they are the surviving two thirds of a polyamorous triad. To heal from the loss of their dearly departed partner the socialist organizer Carly Max. They've closed their hearts to all black men. It would take a young, fearless heart without a single stain of liberalism <laughs> to teach them that life doesn't end with tragedy. Some might say that's where it begins. <laughs> I like that that sentence gets worse the more you think about it. Right? <laughs> Lulu Rosa. Unrelated to Omarosa. The president's retired mouthpiece to the black part of real America. Lulu Rosa is an enigma with a checkered past on television networks owned by the lamestream media. Sometimes you wonder if she ever even really wanted to make America great again. But she believes in you. Perhaps instead, you can make love great again? <laughs> and finally, Stan Carson. <laughs> Unrelated to Ben Carson. Unless you count blood. The younger Carson brother has spent the last four years in his elder brother's shadow. He's gotten some traction as Twitter's lot as Hotep. But still doesn't feel like a pharaoh on the inside. Luckily, he's found someone with the same loud, repeated, and specific hatred of the gay agenda. <laughs> he's found a friend. Or maybe more. And then I just have a sort of outline of the uh, structure that the routes share. How would it work? So, act one. The convention is tomorrow! <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. You're late! Exclamation point. <laughs> Do you have the fucking toast in your mouth, motherfucker? <laughs> you have the toast, but it's like it's it's actually like toast and different kinds of jam that make like a flag kind of pattern. It's it's not important. <laughs> You're late. You wouldn't call it colored people time because it associates you with thugs. <laughs> but the family race neutral lack of punctuality is kicking in. 
To get to the Republican National Convention on time, you'll need to hitch a ride with someone. But who will give a ride to a lonely talk show host with a chiseled jaw? So I didn't write it here, but this would be presumably where you start to, you know, try to make inroads with the people, you know, you ride in their car. It's like a riding in cars with boys with a different ending. Act 2. An elephant never forgets a pretty face. <laughs> You're stuck in the same booth. It'd be weird if you grew together with the person on your route. There are so many famous, respected, and white options around you. But the way the sunlight catches their hair... Sometimes it's like sitting next to the Gipper himself. <laughs> act 3. Election night. A little bit of a, a time skip from Act 2, as you can tell. It's a good dramatic construct, I think. Ooh. All your decisions come to a head. If you've been attentive to your beloved and your audience of budding fascists, the country makes the right choice. But will your beloved... Oh, and a, um, a non-standard bad end here is that if the uh, eco-fascists win, the game ends. <laughs> I... <And> finally... <laughs> oh, gone. Seven, I'm seven. just trying to find, you know, the, the right way to phrase the crack that I'm trying to make here. Just <laughs> something about... Something about this showing up on the fucking Steam featured games button hell. <laughs> and it's just it's from the moment of release it's 75% off Amazing. and it was only like 10 bucks to begin with oh man there'd be like a two hour Jim Sterling rant <laughs> just the purple hat and glasses and all this is it Steam this is why the EGS exists okay okay act four four more years of love the country may be on the right track, but things seem to be going wrong for you. Your beloved's emails to Moscow have leaked, and the Justice Department <laughs> is throwing around words like treason and execution. <laughs> but no one knows your beloved like you do. With the right testimony, you can save their lives and your future together. And that, That's... my friends, is Coon Wars. I wish that I had come up with a name for uh, for the first of mine. I just sort of have kind of a vague outline. So uh, a good amount of this is not going to be script. It's just going to be me fucking spitting off the dome here, right? Okay, uh, freestyle. So, I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, okay. So kind of, kind of freestyle on this a little bit. Feel free to contribute, right? I, I kind of just have, again, just some vague ideas here, right? It, too, is a political farce, right? Uh, although kind of a little bit more of an inf emphasis on the farce, right? And the whole thing takes place over the course of one day, right, uh, at a UN summit in New York. Uh, you, right, are the head of the Japanese delegation. You've been given one mission, and one mission only, by the Japanese diet. Get the UN to vote for anime control. <laughs> <laughs> it is never once, not a single time, specified what anime control actually is. <laughs> all we know is that you... All you know is that you will... You will bring shame upon yourself and your family if you do not, uh, if you do not come home with good news. Oh man! Um, oh man! I bet the dialogue around, style, like around <laughs> anime control, just changes from scene to scene too. Like at some point, it sounds like it might just be a gun control kind of thing. Another point, it sounds more like global warming. They just, they just can't really get a pin on it. <laughs> that is, uh, 
Uh, I, I, I like the idea that everyone seems to think it's something else. Or everyone seems to think it's something that it probably actually isn't, and there will be a whole lot of scenes of the protagonist trying to correct them to no avail because people are just louder than he is. Uh, uh, this is okay, so it's also a dating sim. I never actually got a chance to come up with any of the names of the various waifus, but um, the waifus in question are the representatives from the UN Security Council. So there's the incompetent, nervous, in in over her head uh, American delegate, right? The comically insane Sundari Chinese delegate. Uh, <laughs> The pig-headed daughter of an autocrat Russian delegate, uh, delegate, uh, the uninterested, pretentious British delegate, and the sleep-deprived, exasperated French delegate. Which one of them is late? Like, probably the American one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, none of the roots actually have what you'd call a good end. Even if you're successful in getting the international anime control put in place, none of the characters <laughs> in any route even remotely... Uh, emotionally equipped for a good end, least of all you. Uh, <laughs> he has something of a kindred spirit with a French delicate, but she thinks that anime is for virgins. <laughs> In the best version of the Chinese delegate's route, she merely fails to kill you. Amazing. Uh, rounding out the cast are your assistant who hates you, uh, the oblivious Fred Willard-esque UN Secretary General, uh, the Iranian delegate who's been driven half-mad with frustration over the past couple of years, and the halal cart guy on the street outside UN headquarters. Um, there's also the irritable weeaboo Italian delegate. You know the, you know the community's gonna mod something in for the frustrated Iranian one? <laughs> Probably, I... I, I I sort of like the idea of um of him being sort of a um sort of a character like Kenji who is clearly having his own weird fucking arc kind of just like out there in the background, completely unrelated to this dumbass shit about anime control. <laughs> and you just interact sometimes. Um and then there's the irritable Italian uh the irritable weeaboo Italian delegate who ser- deserves as the de facto main antagonist. He hates you and the idea of anime control. <laughs> uh and when you talk about it with him, the two of you seem to have very different ideas about what anime control actually is. Um that's great. Now seeing as this is a farce, it would need to be it would need to have all sorts of fucking branches within all of the roots, right? Like each, it'd need to have a development cycle. If it was built with the team that Katawa Shoho was built with, uh, it would need to have a development cycle at least twice as long, right? Because of all of the various different weird choices leading to you know weirder outcomes, oh, yeah, right? The scaling is, um, and then just all of the various scenes of you bursting in on people, uh, because you know it's a farce. You have to. Just, I, I'm just so fucking attracted to a couple of things about Farce. A, just uh, someone spilling their, or someone purposefully splashing their drink in another person's face. It's, it's great. Yeah. I fucking love when that happens. And the B, someone bursting through a door and screaming, you liar, for whatever reason. I'm really liking this Amando Iannucci by way of recess thing you've got going here. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you were able to pick up on it. It was, this is... <laughs> Very clearly just me writing an Armando Yanuchi fan fiction here, except with anime control. It, that's, uh, so, that's good shit. Um, God, what other sort of half-baked ideas that I have for this? I, I think th- th- this would have, um, 
they would definitely have H scenes present in it, but they would play out in the most kind of kind of disturbingly unsexy way possible that you're sort of just trying to click through them as fast as possible because just everything about them just needs to feel really wrong really kind of really kind of like you're like you're violating something about yourself by engaging in them great uh, that's my first idea go into your second idea i i liked it the best out of the two all right so the second one is <laughs> I don't even want to spoil it by describing. I'm just going. I'm just going right. Just in the go fuck in. in. Just go the fuck in. So this one's called "Looking Back," and the sort of summary line for it is just: it's a dating sim with routes composed entirely of X's. Jesus Christ. The main character is Jonathan Riker, a newly hired adjunct professor who's finally starting to put down some roots. He's traveled and worked everywhere, leaving a trail of romantic ruin behind him. He is happy to leave behind for some quiet. <laughs> First, he has to finish teaching romantic Dadaism. How do Chomp taught us to love? <laughs> it's his first course open to community auditing. But that should be fine. He's a people person. People like him. Our ex-waifus for this game mm-hmm. are Corporal Wanda Jean, a Marine Scout sniper with some unanswered questions for you. You fell in love between her tours and promised to stay together while she liberated an undisclosed South American Republic. Upon returning from International Criminal Court, she discovered that you'd moved on to your next ex without so much as a text. This is the Shizune of this game. <laughs> Very much so. Now taking your now taking your course through the university's community enrichment program, along with some anger management courses. Mm-hmm. Probably fine. Next we have if that was a little too a uh, domestic Americana for you, Annette Gunter. You spent some time in Germany, you know, finding yourself. You planned on teaching English. But most people spoke English, so you moved into someone instead. That was Annette. You grew a lot together, but she wanted to move a bit too fast. Sharing a home and a bank account is one thing, but marriage is another altogether. You went home, where hopefully you'd meet someone that wouldn't get so clingy after just three years. Next ex-waifu, Melissa Stone. You did marry this one. It was boring. <laughs> no. Yeah, she's the first friend or lover that really got your work in a real way. And yeah, you came up through the same PhD program. And yeah, you work at the same college now. And yeah, she's the other lecturer <laughs> for this course. But she didn't want to do any of the fun swinger stuff you'd read about on the internet, so... Eh. You've been broken up for about two months. Hopefully, she's cool about it. <laughs> Next, we have Nell Alderman. Sorry, I'm mainlining bourbon while we're reading this. So, that's forgive fair, that's me. Fair. <laughs> so, next, we have Nell Alderman. Your first ex. You're not really sure why you stopped hanging out. 
After your first night together, she came down with something and changed schools. Not sure about the details, really. But you're over it. That was kid stuff. Speaking of which, she's got a kid now. And she drags him with her to every lecture. Quiet boy, but he has some sharp features. He will clean up when he gets older. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I'm... I'm unconvinced you're not a psychopath now. Because <laughs> this is this this is the sort of thing that a fucking serial killer on death row would write. <laughs> and then fucking Ivan Reitman or something would find it and turn it into a fucking 80s comedy. <laughs> Well, until someone finds where the bodies are fucking buried, I'm just another writer, Sam. God damn. I... With this a sketch of humanity we're building here. Then mm -hmm. we have Lita Mercer, your newest ex. No. She was 19, and you were 30, which Jesus is perfectly Christ. legal in all 50 states. <laughs> you really helped her grow, if you look at it. She certainly seems fine. If it was bad for her, she wouldn't want to hang out anywhere near you. And now, she's taking your class. Platonically. You're Gucci. <laughs> you wave to her sometimes, and she waves back enthusiastically. And, uh, final waifu, our little icing on this cake of love, is Lita Mercer Sr. <laughs> Lita's mother, a retired engineer. She's just dropping Lita off, not taking the course herself. She doesn't know you and Lita ever got into anything, so it's probably better to keep your distance. I mean, you won't, but that definitely would be the easier thing to do. <laughs> I think the only way that you could... I think the only way that you could publish this fucking thing without someone finding you in your house and shooting you <laughs> would be to have every route end with someone finding you in your house and shooting you. <laughs> I, that's the only way that this fucking, that you can get away with any of this. I've created art, Sam. I've created just something Jonathan that Riker stop. needs to die by the end of this game, whatever the circumstances may be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't okay, know so how the I'm fuck I'm again. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Act one: the king is back. Ah, uh, the spring semester. All the pay and play of the fall. And half of the student interaction. You're ready for a cushy semester teaching a 200 level lecture. When you get a closer look at the audience. Several of the faces are... Familiar. Very... Familiar. Act 2. Let's bang one out. Well... <laughs> they're here. Let me say it again. Might as well see who's down to make an old mistake again. Fucking Christ. Act three. Oh shit, you're still here. 
You always knew it might come to this. An unprovoked, biased, and wholly accurate account of your romantic past makes it into the student newspaper. Jesus fucking... Instigating a heartless cancel culture mob. <laughs> it seems like no one's on your side. Save your dean, the union, and the dumber half of your students. Probably the university police force, too. Oh, those guys are totally on your side. Like, <laughs> solidarity forever. But you find support in an unlikely place. And between a pair of unlikely arms. You say arms. You, you know, he's a very reliable narrator. <laughs> uh, Act 4. I still love you. Thanks to the union. Unless, yeah, let's face it, the fucking university police force. You still have your job. But it's best to let the heat simmer down a bit. You bring your new beloved back to your parents' lake house, where you can enjoy some lovin' without the media on your back. Where the finales occur, and these are individualized, I took some time. Corporal Wanda shoots you. <laughs> Annette ties you to a support beam in the basement. She says you never have to leave again. Oh god. Be good, as she'll have your dose of muscle relaxant. You'll have a long life with everything you could possibly want. As long as it's more Annette. Melissa realizes she deserves better and goes home. <laughs> You're left alone in an empty house with nothing but potential sources of carbon monoxide. <laughs> Jesus. Nell. She wants how many years of child support? You throw her out and search her mind for solutions. You can't live like that. Your eye is drawn to a few carbon monoxide sources. <laughs> Lita Jr. It feels good being in this ethical relationship with an adult. But you're starting to feel a bit drowsy. Lita comes back to bed with some of that coffee that you keep next to the carbon monoxide sources. <laughs> Lita Sr. Ties you to a stake like a medieval witch and drops a match. <laughs> There's no carbon monoxide, so it burns slow. And if, at this point, you are instead alone, you think, maybe it's time to change one or two things. Maybe find a place to think things out with fewer carbon monoxide sources. You can't live like this forever. And then Corporal Wanda shoots you. <laughs> I get the feeling I'm... that either a Corporal Wanda or a Lita Senior will be recorded as best girl. I'm just pleased. I'm just pleased that the, that I kind of called that shot there. <laughs> just, it has to end with you dead. It must. This is the only way this would be acceptable in any circumstances. <laughs> Dude, I think if it ended differently, like, 
you just softly, quietly, and slowly stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I used to know this guy, Denard. We had a podcast together. And we don't you know, anymore. Uh, not anymore. You know, uh, Black Lives Matter, but you, n- n- not every Black Life. One or two are... Not, not, uh, not necessarily his. <laughs> he's a... He's a he's, I think he's he a, might be a psychopath. <laughs> he's a different kind of cat. <laughs> Okay, so I don't know really how I follow that up with my second idea, because my second idea was just me sort of um, thinking about an old idea that I had once upon a time and thinking about how um, sort of such a story would work pretty well given a um, a visual novel slash dating sim format, right? Well, Sam, here's where we disagree. I think the only way you can end the escalation of these is to just make an actual one. So thank you. Well, well, here it goes then, right? Um, so, a couple of years back, I was, I had someone. I don't know where I where I fucking found it, but someone somewhere challenged me to come up with a work of um fiction, sort of aimed at um kids from the sort of like the twelve to fifteen demographic that sort of around there, right? Mm-hmm. And what I came up with was sort of an evocation of a favorite um, tabletop campaign uh, that, you know, the two of us were actually uh, part of, you know, um, from high school into college, um, as well as a few other pieces of media that I kind of enjoyed from that time. And also just uh, memories of um, summers uh, from, you know, my adolescence. Right. And the idea is right. That this, uh, this whole thing takes place. uh, And like, in this case, it's like, Visual novel format, it is a visual novel that takes place at a summer camp where something is weird. Um, ah. All right. Uh, and so you, the protagonist, are um, – and this ta- it takes place in the Adirondacks. I think it sort of has to, at least for me. The Adirondacks in general and, like, the Lake George area in particular is sort of just tied into my personal history. So I sort of kind of had to put it around there. The nostalgia voting block is pretty strong. Just a little bit. The whole thing takes place as a summer camp at the Lake George area, right? Where you are, you know, a um, you play as a kid from South Brooklyn who has just undergone some sort of personal tragedy um, that is not alluded to up front. You are sort of like kind of mm-hmm. angry looking to escape um Looking to escape that anger, perhaps, by putting some physical distance in between you and it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your parents have decided to sort of send you off to summer camp. This takes place probably, like, in the 90s, something like that. I, I sort of, I, I decided that it probably should be a period piece because it's one of those things that would be hampered by the existence of cell phones. So let's say, like, 1993 or 4 or so, right? Yeah, um, the instant Calvary might uh, throw the dynamic off a bit. Right, it 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 just fucks with all sorts of you know like kids media because or media involving kids in peril, right? Because um, once you involve cell phones, they need to be a larger part of the equation than I perhaps would want them to be in this situation. So that's something that you know sort of you have to avoid with the setting here, right? Uh, and so you sort of um you sort of find yourself as part of um part of a group of you know like two or three other kids, right? And um, you sort of start to um, investigate the mysteries behind, you know, this weird summer camp that you were sent to. Um, and I basically I was thinking this because 
the visual novel is a very good format for a dating sim. I feel like it is just as good of a format for a mystery um, because of the element of narrative and choice. And there's less action. That's okay, though, because you're, you know, you're driven forward by, you know, the progression of, you know, scenes and such. Right. And, you know, the choices you make and, you know, seeing how those play out. Okay. Um, okay. So you've got that. Right. Um, and then. Because dating sims are sort of built on you kind of getting to understand, you know, the particular um, character whose route you're doing. Um, it, mm-hmm. I, I don't just want to say girl because that's just like half of the dating sim genre, right? That's the bishoho genre, right? There's also the otome genre, which is aimed at women and features um, male Man, your suitors, grasp right? Of the lingo is way stronger than mine. Well done. This is weeaboo hell, man. It's weeaboo hell. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you're playing one of these games, right? Uh, it's sort of on you, the player to sort of uh, get a grip on your suitors, um, personality, right? So that you can make the right decisions, um, going forward into the route, you know, and aim towards your good end. Right. So I feel like you could apply this same basic logic to picking up on mysteries, right. And then, um, making the correct decisions, you know, based on what you have learned and what you think is true and, you know, what you, um, what you are curious about, oh, I, I like guess. That, I like that idea. Like basically the, the whole routing is through like your, like a cruel interpretation of information. Yes. Um, because I think that would, that would, it's, it, it, the visual novel format would work really fucking well for something like that. Um, and you can even, you can even sort of add dating sim aspects to it. Like, in my head, all of these kids are 12, so obviously, this stays at fucking PG level. Holy shit. This isn't jail hell. This is not fucking jail hell, no. Um, but, you know, I... There is something, I guess, a little bit nostalgic to me, right? About the, you know, sort of like just the idea of, you know, like, 12-year-olds developing, you know, their first crushes on one another. Just like, sort of like, it's, it's, it's a coming-of-age thing. It just kind of... um makes me think back to when i was that age i suppose um so you can sort of there's always that very resonant batch of sandlot emotions yeah exactly so i think you could definitely put dating sim elements in this um again p fucking g at most um but uh what i was thinking was that this whole thing would lend itself um real well to just a bunch of kids snooping around and, uh, you know, the various routes could be either you investigating one of several mysteries or you taking one of several paths to investigating one mystery. And then um, you could actually have routes that run concurrently uh, and like have that be sort of the dating sim aspect to it where, you know, you have like one of three friends, right? You're in a group of four friends, right? And, you know, each one of these each one of these three friends could, you know, be a potential suitor to you in each of the routes, right? So you okay. sort of... um. It would be kind of complicated as you would need to sort of build platonic and non-platonic versions. Yeah, the platonic but not platonic versions. Uh, there would be like, I guess, let's say four, you know, plot forward arcs, right? And then three relationship arcs that could play out three different ways in each arc, right? In each plot arc. Um, so it would take some doing, certainly. You could, you could do it, though. It would just, you know, be something out of a development cycle. You just need to write a whole lot of it. Um, right. And yeah. you could, it, it'd be fun to sort of just see, you know, like how each relationship kind of plays out given the, you know, version of events, um, 
that happen, you know, in one route versus another route, right? And how each relationship, whichever one you go with, right, informs that version of events, um, you know, based on, you know, like uh, the things you learn or who you become, that sort of thing. Like one thing I liked about Katawa Shoho a whole lot, right, yeah. is the um, is the fact that um, once you play more routes of the game, um, you sort of see that uh, Hiseo kind of develops in five different directions uh, based on which route you pick. And I like that. Um, I find that especially resonant. I think who you sort of spend your time with, who you hang out with, you know, who you choose to be with definitely informs um, at least a little bit um, who you end up being, right? Um, their, you know, their yeah. worldviews rub off on you just a little bit. You learn, you learn different things about how to be around people by being around different kinds of people. It reminds me of the point in my life where I learned that it takes a village to raise a child is actually not an idiotic expression because it's not saying it takes their efforts. It says the entire village influences him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I like the most about Katawa Shoho, right? Is that Hiseo starts out as kind of a you know, kind of snarky, mopey, cynical kind of um, pessimist, right? Um, mm-hmm. Who just doesn't want to be here and thinks he's broken, right? And, you know, he kind Very, of... Very uh, world half-empty dude. Yeah, and he kind of learns that he is wrong in each of these five routes, but in five different ways. Um, so I like the idea of that, and I like the idea of that playing out in a dozen different ways, right? More than a dozen different ways. I'm thinking like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, twelve. Like let's say twelve different ways. Um, even I guess like sixteen different ways if you choose to not have um, not have a romance arc for any of these uh, these four routes. I feel like you could you could you could do that too, right? I have not really played too many visual novels where the um where the protagonist is just a kid, you know, of, you know, age 12 or 13, but I think it's very well suited for that sort of uh, coming of age story. Right. Um, yeah. I think that, I think those kind of themes can live well in that space, especially since you have these intensely character driven things, small arc events. Exactly. Yeah. I think, and I think you could, you could probably build a couple more mechanics into it than you might, you know, build into a kind of a show where they didn't really need really any mechanics really besides just, you know, every now and again you get to choose, which is just, you know, the visual novel mechanic. Like you could have, uh, you know, you could build up, you know, an inventory or something. You could Eventually this sort of uh, comes to look a little bit like an adventure game. Maybe it has like adventure game elements in it. Um, or, you know, you just have like a journal that you could refer back to sometimes because, you know, if this is a mystery and, you know, information yeah, is your weapon. I think it might yeah. be a scaling thing with the inventory, but the journal thing I think is very workable. Yeah. Um, so that 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 is the sort of thing. I, I was thinking about um the fucking uncharted games just now, uh, with the idea for the uh for the journal, just um how you would occasionally just kind of look at the journal to solve a puzzle, you know, in that room or whatever. And uh what I what I liked oh, about shit. it is I think that I have the three Uncharted games in my PSN Don't Forget You're Here Forever subscription. I should really get to those. They're so fucking good. Um what what I like the most about that little journal is that he, um, if you flip through it, it's not just puzzle solutions. You'll just uh, find little doodles that he has made about, you know, just various things that he has experienced in the game thus far. Like, uh, one of my favorite little nice. things was, um, in one of the games, I think it's either the second or the third games, he just, um, draws little portraits of all of the various characters that he meets, which I, I like that as a little 
this character beat that you have to go find. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Uh, and I feel like you you could integrate such a system into a visual novel. It'd be pretty easy. You just sort of have you know like a side panel, right? Where yeah, or even if the yeah. journal is just flippable, then you can just yeah. encounter that in your musings during the game. Ooh. Although the more I think about this, the more it seems kind of like missed, and I don't really want it to be missed. Um, well, it's time you're going to need to get about 30% more pretentious before it becomes missed if it makes you feel better. <laughs> I just... I, I, I wonder if anything could ever accidentally become missed. An island where profundity is itself. Alright. Well, thank you for humoring my spitballing um, for the last, you know, 20 minutes or so. That's uh, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it a great deal, Sam. And me thank just, me you just sort for... of thinking about what you could do with that genre. Yeah, yeah I think it's... I think formal experiments are good and important and the reason that any of this shit moves, any, moves anywhere at any point anyway. Mm-hmm. And thank you for associating with me after mine. <laughs> I... <laughs> I believe you, know, you didn't a doozy. You didn't shoot anyone yourself, so I'm glad you just wrote this instead. <laughs> <laughs> aren't I, uh, aren't I, I guess... You know, a stinker. Anyway, fine people of Earth. Uh, I guess predominantly the United States, based on these weird traffic charts I get. Thank you for listening in. This is Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. Cue industrial. <laughs>